Have you ever given much thought to what the Bible calls the tribulation? It is a future period of seven years when God will pour out His wrath upon this earth, and during that seven years, one half of humanity and two-thirds of the Jewish people will die. Why would a God of love, grace, and mercy allow such a time of terrible carnage? For the opinions of a panel of Bible prophecy experts, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. As you can see, I have a studio full of people, all of whom are experts on Bible prophecy. And let me quickly introduce them to you, and then I want to kick off our forum by asking them a series of questions about the tribulation. First is Al Gist. Al is director of Maranatha Evangelistic Ministries located near DeRitter, Louisiana. Welcome, Al. We're glad to have you, brother. Thank you, Brother Davis. It's good right. to be here. Uh, next along the line here is my former colleague uh, here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. His name is Dennis Pollock. Dennis and I ministered together for 11 years before he felt called of God to establish a ministry called Spirit of Grace. It's located in McKinney, Texas, but his focus is the continent of Africa. Welcome, Dennis. Thanks, Dave. Great Always to good here. to have you, brother. Thank you. And the bookend on the other end here is Nathan Jones, my fellow evangelist here at Lamb and Lion Ministries and my co-host on this program. Welcome, Nathan. Great to be here. Glad Thank to you. have you. Well, fellas, I want to uh, jump right into this and uh, talk about the tribulation for a moment. And uh, I, I want to begin with what is probably the most frequently asked question about the tribulation. It relates to the overwhelming carnage that's going to occur during these seven years. I mentioned it in the opening of the program that one half of humanity is going to die. Two-thirds of the Jews are going to die. Why in the world would a God of love and grace and mercy uh, allow such carnage to occur? This, this is the question I get over and over and over. And, and, and Dennis, I know you've thought a lot about this, but I'm going to start with you. Okay. Well, let me just pick up on what you, uh, the way you describe God, a God of love and grace and mercy. And anybody who reads the Bible, and certainly I perfectly and completely agree with that, but it doesn't quite tell the whole story. <laughs> you know, some years ago, uh, my son-in-law was helping me with my website. And he's a very artistic guy that likes to do things just a little different than most people. And so he did some pictures of me and he, he showed them to me. And when I looked at them, I was kind of appalled because it showed half of my face. I said to him, what is this? It's not even all of me. And he said, well, this is kind of the way people do things now with the pictures. You don't just show a standard you know, full-on picture. So he was trying to be artistic. It didn't work with me. I said, no way. If they're going to see me, they need to see all of me. There you go. And that's exactly the way it is with God. He is a God of love. He is a God of grace, a God of mercy. But he's also a God of justice and wrath. And one thing people need to understand is there are not two gods. Some people think, okay, there was an Old Testament God. Yes. He was cranky and grumpy and he was always getting after people and he screamed at people constantly, you're slackers, you're worthless. And then there's a New Testament God, 
Uh, he wears shorts and flip-flops. He goes around <laughs> smiling all the time. And he tells people, I want to make your wildest dreams come true. Uh, sure, you fornicate and you're an adulterer and you, you, you do things, you lie all the time. But it doesn't really matter because all I, what I, I see of you is Jesus. And so ask me anything and it's all yours. The cosmic teddy bear. Yeah, so two gods. The Old Testament and everybody goes, oh, thank the Lord, we've got the new God. <laughs> The reality is there is one God. The God of the New Testament is the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he hates sin every bit as much as he did. In fact, but the he's book provi- of Malachi says God never changes. Doesn't change. Yeah. And so he has provided forgiveness for sure. But he also gives us a new heart and the desire to live right. And so he still hates sin. And to read Revelation, to read about the tribulation, you begin to realize, yeah, he's offered forgiveness. But he hasn't fundamentally changed. He hated sin in the Old Testament, still does. Yeah. Well, well I would only add to, to what uh, Brother Dennis has already said here, and that is that, you know, sin has to be dealt with. God, because he is such a just God, will deal with sin in one of two ways. Either you're going to be forgiven of it because it comes under the shed blood of Jesus Christ, or you're going to suffer the penalty of it in eternity uh, because it was not forgiven. And uh, so God deals with sin, and the tribulation is going to be a time of earthly judgment upon this world, and God is going to allow man to sin to its fullest degree, and God is going to step back and allow that to happen. But with that sin will come horrible, horrible judgment, unlike anything this world has ever seen. And so I would agree with Brother Dennis's statements here. Nathan? I think it all boils down to free will. The tribulation is mankind unleashed to do whatever they want to do. And then each of the 21 judgments you read from God, although they come from the throne of God, are all letting mankind build upon their sin. So like Brother Al said, it is free will allowed. And what happens with free will? The answer is the question in this day and age, why does God allow suffering? Because we have free will. We can choose to do wrong, and usually we end up hurting ourselves. And most of the tribulations, mankind, restrainers removed, they're all at it as much as they want, and it ends up destroying almost all humanity. Sounds like Romans 1, where it says that uh, when a society begins to rebel against God, and all the world is rebelling against God today, that God will step back and lower the hedge of protection. And it says that when that happens, there's a sexual revolution, which occurred in this country in the 60s. -hmm. Then it says if they refuse to repent, He steps back a second time, lowers the hedge again, and there is an outbreak of, of a plague of homosexuality, which has happened in this country and around the world. And then it says if they refuse to repent, He steps back a third time and lowers the hedge, and at that point, it says he turns the society over to a depraved mind. Yes. And the society yes. basically destroys itself. Yeah. Amen. And there's a theological concept that I call the accumulation of sin and wrath. Yes. That speaks about God allowing things to go on for often long periods of time, many times generations. And he gives the appearance as though it doesn't really matter. He, he couldn't be too bothered by it because he's allowed it for so long. He told Abraham, your descendants are going to possess this land that I'm going to give them. But they can't do it now or they won't be able to do it too soon because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Yes. These people were idolaters. They were sacrificing their children, sexually immoral, doing a lot of wicked things. But God is saying, I have to wait until the iniquity level, the, the, the accumulation of their sin and my offense against it reaches a certain level. In Revelation, it speaks about Babylon. It says, your sins have reached up to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, you've accumulated. Paul talks to the ungodly and says, you're storing up wrath 
in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So our world is doing that. Paul is talking about an individual basis. But our entire world is storing up the anger and wrath of God, storing up their sin. And finally, in the book of Revelation, when you read the tribulation, you're, finding, you're seeing the unleashing of that wrath that's been building up for generation after generation. Well, God's patience is amazing. I, I, it, what you said reminded me of a famous quote of Billy Graham's many years ago when he said, if God does not judge San Francisco soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. But God is very patient, very patient. Also reminds me of something you told me one time when you were studying the life of the uh, leading atheist in the United States. What's her name? Madeline uh, Murray O'Hare. Yeah, she used to get out in her backyard on July the 4th when everybody was barbecuing, stand up so everybody could see her on a table or whatever and shake her fist at God and say, if you're real, strike me dead. You said, it's a good thing you weren't God. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But he allows it. And, and here you find this in the book of Nahum. Book of Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. We love that. We, But look what it says in verse 2. A jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Yeah. And, and the Bible is saturated with those kind of passages, Old and New Testament. One of the things that boggles my mind, to be real honest, is the number of pastors around that will only preach the other side and, and never mention. They wouldn't dare. You could, you could go to their church for a hundred years and you'd never hear those kind of passages. Right. It doesn't fill the pews. And I think sometimes, too, uh, people forget that the natural dis- destructive consequences that are associated with sin. You know, the Bible says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that during the tribulation that God is going to uh, remove the restraint of evil. And today the Holy Spirit works at restraining the tidal wave of evil in this yeah. world. But during that time, God will just look to mankind and basically say, okay, you want it your way. You think your way is better than mine. You want to live your sinful lifestyle? Go ahead, live your sinful lifestyle. And for those seven years, sin will be unrestrained and it will flourish. And with that, the consequences of those sins, which is going to be death and destruction and bloodshed and carnage, just as you mentioned. So it's not so much that I said, of course, God is going to be pouring out judgments, but it's the natural consequences of man's sin that will bring a lot of that carnage as well. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our panel discussion of the tribulation. Fellas, let's get right into a question here. And the question is, how would you define the overall purpose of the tribulation? Well, I would start with that, Brother Dave, because I see two major purposes of the tribulation. First of all, in the way that God is going to use it to bring a remnant of the Jewish people to a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God told Daniel way back there in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 that there were six reasons that he was doing this. He actually defined 490 years that he was going to deal with Daniel's people, the Jewish people. The last seven of that 490 years is still futuristic. It's that time period that we call the tribulation. And so it's dealing with Daniel's people, and that's something that we need to remember. It really has nothing to do with the church. It's not about the church. It's not for the church. The church is not going to be here. We're going to be in heaven, thank God, when that tribulation takes place. (laughs) So, But he's going to, uh, if you look at those six reasons, the way I would summarize it is this way, is that God is going to bring the Jewish people to the end of themselves. 
they in a moment of final desperation just before annihilation are going to turn to the Lord Jesus. They're going to cry out to, to Yeshua, their true Messiah, and he is going to come and save that remnant that survives the tribulation. And so from the standpoint of the Jewish people, the purpose of the tribulation is that God is going to bring a remnant of them into salvation. In fact, that's what that's the purpose of his gathering the Jewish people in unbelief right now Amen. from all over the world so that the world then can focus on them and come together against them and they can be hammered to the point that they really will receive Yeshua as their Messiah. You know, as long as people think that everything's going okay with them, I've got my life under control, Lord, I really don't need you, I can take care of myself, you know, God allows people to go in that direction. But when life gets hard, when tribulation comes, persecution and difficulties come to people, then they want to turn out to God. And it's sad that it's that way, but that's just human nature. And I think that uh, the Jewish people will be a, a perfect picture of that at the end of the tribulation because they will have been so so persecuted and so hurt that finally, finally, they as a people will turn in mass to God and say, Lord, help us. We can't save ourselves. We need you. And that's what people need to say every day today. We can't save ourselves. Lord, we need you. In fact, Jesus himself said he would not return until the Jewish people were Amen. willing to say, Baruch HaBab Hashem Adonai. Yes, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Are there any purposes for the Gentile nations, fellas? I would uh, add two more to that. For one, the Gentile nations are in rebellion against God as well as Israel. So God has to judge evil, which we yes. discussed earlier. But I would say more about that. It's, it's about God coming, Christ coming to rule the nations. It's about Jesus's victory lap. He is finally going to come. He's the King of King, the Lord of Lords. And now he needs to be King of King, Lord of Lords here on earth, over the nations of the earth, over the Gentile nations of the earth, as well as Israel that's reformed. And so really the tribulation is about getting humanity right with God so that Jesus could rule and reign over a righteous Well, people. I'd like to piggyback on that for a moment when you say it's about getting humanity right with God. And that is that um, one of the things the Bible teaches is even when God pours out his wrath, his fundamental purpose is not to punish. His fundamental purpose is to humble people to the point yes, that they definitely. would accept him and come to him in salvation. Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 9 uh, talks about this. It says, when the earth experiences the judgments of God, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Amen. Uh, so the purpose of God is not only to judge sin, but also to bring people to the end of themselves so that they might receive Jesus as their Messiah. The yes. sad thing is in the book of Revelation, it says most people during that time are going to shake their fist at God and curse God. But many we know are going to be saved. There's going to be a great harvest of souls during the tribulation period. Amen. Dennis? Yeah, and let me just provide something probably a lot of people haven't thought about. In, in one perspective... The tribulation is an answer to mankind's prayer. Uh, the Bible says in Thessalonians that because they did not receive the love of the truth, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And we have a world that wants anything but the truth. Yeah. We'll take any philosophy, any strange, bizarre religion, uh, viewpoint, perspective, except Christ, the, the idea of heaven and hell and so forth. And so we have a world that has said we don't want God in our schools. We don't want God in our society. We, we don't want God in our news, uh, in our media. And the world is basically saying, God, would you please leave us alone? 
And so God, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. God is going to grant, grant the prayer of a world that is saying, we don't want you, we don't need you, we don't like you. And he is going to send them a delusion, a lie in answer to this request of their heart, if you will. And uh, the Antichrist will arise. And basically the tribulation is involving the rise and the fall of the Antichrist and all the war and the death and the misery that is going to happen as a result and in the midst of all of that. And so in one sense, you know, that has happened. Another sense we've talked about before, the idea of, of God giving up, God ceasing to restrain. We have stockpiles of nuclear weapons that are just lying around everywhere all over the world. Uh, we haven't used them yet in wartime uh, since World War II. Uh, that's going to change, it looks to me like, because Revelation really describes something that, that could easily be. We've come war. so close several times. Come very close. The restraining hand of God has Amen. been there. The mercy. It's going to be removed. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, the parallel? Are there any parallels between what the Bible says about the uh, tribulation and, say, the, the the flood of Noah? Yeah. Well, actually, I've I've preached uh, a sermon on that a number of times. So, <laughs> then I, I, basically, there's four easy points for a preacher to use there uh, as you look at the the days of Noah and the days of light. The first the first thing is. Jesus was trying to show us what the last days will be like. So he used two societies. One was Noah's generation. The other was Lot's era. Well, he couldn't have used any more wicked societies than he did. Those two. Uh, he used the most evil, wicked, ungodly societies that the Bible records, which gives us a pretty a good idea that uh, things are not quite the way the post-millennialists say, that things are going to get better and better, and <laughs> yeah. we're going to make more and more progress until finally the world is perfect, and we've converted the entire world. It's all a Christian world, and Jesus will come and receive you know this world to himself. No, uh, Jesus said it's going to be as bad as it's ever been. So the first point is very wicked society or a very wicked world. The second thing that, that I find really the most interesting of all is that he talks about ordinary activities. He says people are buying and they're selling, they're having weddings, uh, they're planting and they're building. Now, that's all innocuous enough. There's nothing evil or sinful about that. Why even mention that? Well, the point is, they're on the verge of catastrophe. They're on the verge of judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's like a man reading the newspaper, his wife cooking a meal, and the child playing a video game. That's normal enough, but if the house is on fire, that's probably not what you want to be doing. You want, you want to be running for your life. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus is saying, you're, the end times are going to be so wicked, it's going to be more wicked than it's ever been. Judgment is going to be looming on the horizon. And nobody cares or even notices. They're just going about their ordinary business. So you have a wicked society, business as usual, and then sudden destruction. Both Lot's day, Noah's day, it wasn't a gradual, it wasn't a gradual flood that took years and years. It was, it was instant. And, and, and the, the fire that destroyed Lot, Lot's generation. Again, it was a sudden destruction. And, and then the fourth thing was, and that's the good news, in each case a remnant was spared. There were Amen. people of Amen. God. Amen. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our panel concerning the tribulation. Fellas, I want to jump right into this question. It's, as I said a few moments ago, the Bible teaches, it seems, that God never pours out His wrath without warning. Now, if we are anywhere near the tribulation today, is God warning? How about it, Nathan? Oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> Calvin and Hobbes is one of my favorite strips. And then Calvin pretends that he's a little fly and he's yelling and screaming to get his parents who are giants' attention in comparison, but they can't hear him because they're not on the same wavelength as a fly. God is yelling and screaming from the heavens, but it's the opposite. We're so small, most of society doesn't even know that God's telling us, but he's telling oh, us over and over again what's going to happen through the signs of the times and through fulfilled prophecy. Well, give me an example. What do you mean? Well, signs of the time, and this is one that uh, we can think recently. Take, for instance, the we know the Philippines was slammed by the worst storm oh, in history yeah. and almost 10,000 people dead. And God uses signs of nature to get us back on track. Like, as Al was saying earlier about having a right relationship with God, sometimes you have to have such tribulation in life, and God uses signs of nature. He also uses signs of change. Uh, Daniel 12.4 talks about an end times. Knowledge will increase and travel will increase. And we're seeing that today. We're also seeing fulfilled prophecy like Israel becoming a nation again. Mm -hmm. Israel taking control of Jerusalem Amen. again. The nations of Russia and Iran and all forming alliances against Israel. That's all happening today. But you have to have a biblical mindset, a Holy Spirit inside you to understand that we hear and see the signs. We know God's yelling. But most society, they, they don't have the Holy Spirit, so they're not hearing those signs. How about it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I believe God is using natural disasters. Uh, I don't believe every natural disaster is automatically a judgment exactly. of God. Yeah. Uh, you know, just on an individual basis, when something happens in our life that really rocks us, uh, something negative, something we don't like, if you're a believer, one of the things you wonder, God, are you speaking to me about this? Now, it doesn't always follow that it is God saying, you're, you really messed up and I'm punishing you or this is some heavy thing I've got to say. Sometimes it's just something you get through. But nevertheless, you ask the question because that's what believers do. That's what people that have any respect for God do. You say, God, are you speaking? And, and our nation, our world needs to be asking when we look at, at some of these things that are the worst, the worst floods, the worst hurricanes, the worst this, the worst that, the worst weather patterns. Uh, God, are you speaking? Then, of course, you look into the scriptures and you line up, where are we compared to what the Bible says in terms of the standards of righteousness? And if you, if you really believe, as evangelicals do, that abortion is murder, if you really believe that homosexuality is an abomination, if you really believe the, the biblical morality, the standard of the scriptures, and you see how far we've moved away from that, you have to say, uh, it sure seems like God is speaking and warning us that we are in serious trouble. Amen. Well, you know, I would add a sad note to that, Brother Dave. Unfortunately, in Matthew chapter 16, the Pharisees came to the Lord Jesus asking Him for a sign to prove to them He is who He says that He is. And He scolded them and He said, uh, You can look at the weather patterns and tell us what tomorrow's weather is going to be. But He said, Can you not discern the signs of the times? And he called them a bunch of hypocrites. Mm -hmm. You know, and I wonder if maybe God is not in heaven right now looking down on his church and saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. You bunch of hypocrites. You say that you love me. You say that you want me to come. You long to be with me. I'm sending you all of these signs to tell you that I'm coming. And you're totally ignoring it. And I think, unfortunately, it's not just the world, but even a large part of the church today that does not know anything about the signs of the times or the fact that we are approaching the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I one of my latest books was entitled Living on Board Times, about the signs of the times, and I had a, a, a prophecy forum in there. In fact, all you fellows were members of it, along with, with a total of 22 guys. And I asked them about... Do you believe that we're living in the season of the Lord's return? And if so, what would you say is the most important reason? I expected them to say that we were, and all 22 said, yes, we're living in the season. Yeah. I expected them to say Israel. They didn't. 
Uh, what they said instead, the vast majority was, the thing that convinces me the most is the convergence of the signs, that mm-hmm. all of them are coming together for the first time ever. There's always been this sign or that sign or that one, but not all of them coming together at one time. Yes, the most important, they said, was Israel, but more important than that is the convergence of the signs, and it looks like that's what's happening today. You know, and for people like myself who have kind of a logical approach to things, I'm I'm bound by that. You're an engineer. Term. I'm an engineer, <laughs> and I, you know, logic works for me. And uh, logic tells you that the convergence of signs is impossibility. You cannot have all these things happen simultaneously. Coincidentally, it couldn't happen that way unless God was orchestrating the whole thing. Of course, we know that He is. And of course, one of the fact, factors that we find there is is the teaching, both Old Testament and New, that there's going to be an exponential effect in the sense that the, the signs will become more frequent and more intense. And for example, this latest uh, typhoon in the Philippines was the largest windstorm in history, the most powerful. Again, everything seems to be increasing in frequency and intensity. It seems like God is shouting from the heavens. Amen. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. That's true. And you know, Jesus compared the the end times to the birth pains of a woman, or contractions as we would say. And in many cases, women can go a number of hours having about one contraction an hour. And it's usually fairly light. But at some point, it's like they turn the corner and yeah. that exponential curve kicks in and suddenly it's not an hour, it's 15 minutes and then it's five and now there's just like one unending contraction and the baby is here. And I think those of us that are sensitive and, and aware of these prophecies are, are looking for the turning of the corner, believing that either we've turned it or we're getting very close to turning well, Phil, it. Phil, I'm concerned about the fact that somebody may be watching right now who really doesn't know the Bible and does not have a personal relationship with Jesus and they're listening to us talk about all these horrible things that are about to come upon the earth. And uh, Al, why don't you just speak personally right into that camera in front of you here for a moment. Tell them, first of all, the name of your ministry and what it means, and then okay. tell them how they can get into a personal relationship with Jesus and have the hope of escaping this tribulation. All right. Well, the word Maranatha only appears one time in the Bible in First Corinthians chapter 16, and it literally means, till he comes. When you add the second word of our ministry, evangelistic, to that, it means what we're all about. We want to evangelize until He comes. That is to say, we want to share the gospel of Jesus with as many people as we can so that people can miss the time of the tribulation. The tribulation, as we said, would be a day of terrible, terrible wrath. But the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, that God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the secret. Salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ will save us from the coming tribulation and, of course, from an eternity in hell without God. And so have you done that? Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to think seriously about this because the tribulation is very near. How much time do we have? Not much, that's for sure. Have you come to that point in your life where you've asked Jesus to save you just to simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. And Lord, I'm calling on you to save me. I trust Jesus for what he has done for me. I encourage you to give serious thought to that and give your heart to Jesus today. Thank you, Al. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it has been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be back with us again next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Nathan Jones and myself saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. 
We are pleased to announce that Dr. Reagan's newest book has just been published. It's titled, The Jewish People Rejected or Beloved. In this 230-page book, Dr. Reagan deals with a variety of challenging questions. Have the Jews ceased to be God's chosen people? Are they guilty of the unforgivable sin of killing God? Has God replaced them with the church? Have they lost all hope as a nation? Are they devoid of any role in the end times? If God still loves them, how can he allow them to experience the Holocaust? Dr. Reagan deals with these and many other questions regarding the Jewish people, and in the process, he reveals the evil of replacement theology and the tragedy of dual covenant theology, and he does so in simple, understandable language. This book can be yours for a donation of $15 or more, plus the cost of shipping. To order, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 